Hello. We hey, are buddy. here. Sean is with us. Joe is with us live from Austin, Texas um, at Consensus. So, Joe, um, uh, first, let's uh, talk about what you guys were talking about. Then we'll hear a little bit about Consensus. Um, Yesterday's price? Yeah, definitely. What happened with Arkham? I have no idea. I've heard absolutely well, nothing. Sean's going to know a little bit more than me, but what I saw was that you know, it was a price oracle issues with this little stuff I saw, but it was about the Mt. Gox wallets and the U.S. government wallets saying they were getting ready to dump. Oh, and, shit. But then it was all a, a non, it wasn't happening. It was a false alert, a false positive or whatever. But again, you know, I want to hear Sean's take too, just because um, evidently there was a lot of price action going on before that alert, <laughs> from what well, Sean well, just well, said. Well, actually, everything happened before the fake alert. So it's ah. typical crypto Twitter. Something happened we don't like, we didn't expect. Let's find some new story to blame it on. Where if you actually <laughs> look at the facts, um, it all happened. It all happened um, before this alert. So there ah. you go. You know, but like like a whale took it for a drive up and down yesterday. Yeah, um, right. Mm -hmm. the, the market's so illiquid. I think you can expect more of that. Um, that uh, you know. Um, like it's, a classic. it's easier to manipulate. Yeah, yeah, I don't consider it manipulation. They're risking their money uh, buying and selling. That's allowed by the rules of the game. Oh yeah, I don't mean manipulation in the terms of uh, whatever. I mean it's a market, right? So yeah, they're, somebody's they're buying and somebody's selling. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're free to do it. I mean, you know, yep. if they were, if they had some kind of inside trade information on the exchanges. That'll be a different matter. I mean, it looks yeah. to me somebody took a pop at the took a pop at the market. I hope they made money. Um, looks like they did. Fair play to them, you know. So, That's good for them. Saying, it's not a prayer meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what a prayer meeting looks like. Oh, you I, didn't I, grow I, up I, with I've those? seen it on TV, man. I'm not entirely sure myself. Now, I went to a liberal Methodist church. Like you know, we didn't. You know, half the people in that church, it's like my parents go to a church like that. What is, what's the, they go to kind a of church, but they're like, no, 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 that's speaking in tongue shit. Uh, um, snakes. No, yeah. They go, to, they go to a Methodist church that's like, I think it's universalists that are like liberal. Half of them don't even believe. Oh, in God. Unitarian? It's, Unitarian? Maybe it's Unitarian. Yeah. And they kind of believe, you know, very liberal, very. Uh... So anyway, that's the kind of church I went to. We didn't have like prayer meetings. As a matter of fact, like if the reason I became non-religious uh, uh, is um, they brought in a, a professor of religion, theology, to talk about the history of the Bible. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, Usually what those people, people are atheists, me? though. That's the what funny part. <laughs> what have you people been teaching me? This is all bullshit. And so that's when, that's when it ended for me. I think I was like 16. I, I, I kind of... I, Bought, bought up a Protestant and a Catholic, but that's a long story. Oh, oh wow. boy! Uh, Mixed well, marriage. You are you are an Irish conflict. <laughs> uh, I crossed from one dark side to a darker side at some point in my life. <laughs> I, I kind of love the hitch and kind of view on this. He goes, you know, like in history, there's been about three thousand gods. How is it after three thousand, yours is the only one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, and I just love. Uh, although I'd love to do that snake shit. I mean, like that. Like I oh, go along please. with that crap just for. Well, come on, come on down. We'll take you down to Texas. I, I, I lived for Texas in three years. I didn't realize that shit happened. We should have oh, left yeah. the bar more, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening in the bars, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. So, Joe, you're at Consensus. Talk to me. Yeah. What's going on, man? Good vibes. Um, Good vibes. Yeah, nothing seems like, uh, you know, lots of building. I mean, everybody's here. Um, you know, I've got stacked up meetings all afternoon. I didn't get here till yesterday because my daughter's birthday was on Tuesday, so I had to stick around, oh, you know, for that. Day. But, yeah, thanks. Just turned 18. I'm like, where the fuck did that time go? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> crazy. Oh, congratulations, dude. dude. Thanks, man. So that's – that's. I did my my Your obligation was done. to get her to – Yeah, I had to get her to 18, right? <laughs> You know, now he's got to cough up another half million in tuition and she'll be good to go, I guess. But yeah. um, no, it's, you know, I was talking to the Institute, well, someone who advises or is focused on institutional DeFi. And, and I said, you know, like that thing incident yesterday, I'm like, you know, even though you saw that once drop, it's like, then you see rebound coming. And I said, I just don't see people really selling it as yeah. much. And I said, what do you think? I mean, I feel like there's so much institutional money in this right now that, they're just banking on whatever happens, happens. And that was kind of the consensus from these New York people was that, you know, between Fidelity and NASDAQ and BlackRock and everybody else, that there's some big holdings in there um, that are waiting. So, I mean, that's positive, I guess. And, um, and then, you know, the vibe here is, is, is like, you know, it's a bigger convention center than, say, the one in New York. That was the last time I was here was one of the New York ones. Uh -huh. So it doesn't feel as crowded. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I swear it's, it's, it's a big convention center. Let's put it that way. I'm like in one big room and I'm like, well, this doesn't feel that crowded. And I looked around the corner and there's like another room just as big packed with people. So wow. there's more people here than it, than it sort of feels like. Um, but the, not, you know, yesterday, evidently everybody's talking all about, you know, choke point 2.0 and regulatory stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm not here to talk about that. I tend to stay away from that topic, but I don't, I see it being kind of like the horse has left the barn already, you know, and now you're saying you're choking stuff off, but you know, Fidelity's in, NASDAQ's in, MetaMask is a new onboarding in, I mean, I just see all these developments still happening in the U S so, you know, to me, it feels like that we're all in these little bubbles of information maybe, and that we just see all the negative. It's, it's kind of like interesting too, you know, like Sean brought up last week when, I don't remember if it was in a channel or if it was in the show, but how we talk about like, you know, CoinDesk will say, oh, a hundred million and flows into crypto. And I'm kind of like, that's such a nothing number in general, um, you know, in a sense of how big the space is um, versus whether it's net in or outflows. So I think that maybe media is really just looking for any issue to write about. And so that's why they keep beating a dead horse on this regulatory stuff um, because of it. And maybe it's not as bad as we think. Um, is sort of the vibe I'm getting. The, the whole crypto media to me is a joke. I mean, yeah. um, you, because a lot of the time when you know when something happens with price, um, it's looking around for a reason. Uh, and right. yesterday was one of the funniest examples because it was it's there's I, I was on Crypto Panic earlier and they're still talking about it going, Oh, we dumped seven and a half percent because of this fake signal. You got but like that's not even true. Like it's, it's really, really simple to verify that what happened with the signal that happened after all the bullshit, yeah. Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm. It always very... cracks me up to see the headlines. Bitcoin drops six percent on stories of blah 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 yep. blah, and I'm yep. like, what the? F How do you fucking know that? Like, like, really? like again, most price movement is just trader games. Yeah, I mean. Um, you know, if you zoom out, you can see stuff. But when you're looking at kind of 
four-hour candles or below, I mean, dream on, you know, I mean, um, in terms of trying to read significance into any of it. I mean, even things like, um, you know, if you look in the past year and a half at, at FOMC meetings and, and you know, the, the, the J-POW pressers and all of that, yeah, there's a lot of volatility during them. But if you go to a weekly candle and I ask you to point out when this big good news or bad news ha happened, I almost guarantee you can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's just kind of like when you look at, like, if you're looking at five-minute candles when you're, like, trading, and you're like, everything looks so much bigger, and it's like, oh, my God, the sky's falling. But then, like you said, you pull back to a week, and it's like nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's all your frame of reference, I think, in time. And, and I think if we get too caught up in, you know, trying to trade short-term moves, which is more of a, you know, uh, shitcoin world thing, I guess there's a lot of it in Bitcoin too. I shouldn't be saying that, but most Bitcoin people seem to be hanging on for the long haul um, for philosophical reasons, perhaps. Whereas, you know, we see a lot more short-term trading in, you know, alts. Um, uh, and I, I think, think that's what, I mean, if, if you look at volume of trading, Bitcoin is still far ahead and, and yeah. tra trading volume is, and, and the kind of stuff I'm going to show today is, 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 you know, short-term trading um, and so on. I mean, like I can tell you, as as a hard ass maxi, um, you know, um, stuff, um, I'll trade. I trade the shit out of the market. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll I just will. Um, and so I think that 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 if you look at the most traded assets, you can actually just look at liquidity and and see that you know Bitcoin and Ethereum have are the only assets with any real liquidity and at the most and, and hence the most traded everything else as the liquidity reduces you're going to get more if you're a short-term trader um as in short term i mean you know you're trading for an hour or two hours or, or whatever the probability of just getting chopped to death increases increases massively yep niblet says crypto media are like a school clout desperate goldfish in a tiny bowl Oh, look, a treasure chest. Oh, look, a castle. Oh, look, a treasure chest. Yeah, the next sparkly thing. Exactly. <laughs> oh, look, yeah, a frying pan. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Pitiful. Say that. <laughs> uh, Nibble says, I just saw how in trad securities trading, acting one second slower on breaking news costs 7% of the price. So I see why peeps use the one minute candles. I don't have the stomach for that. Yeah, our MTF signal uses that too. So, um, all right. Well, we have a plan for the day, or Sean has a plan for the day. Uh, Sean, um, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when you and I talked, we were gonna uh, we were gonna discuss. You're gonna give us all a lesson on what market making is, yep. maybe what it is not, and uh, then a sneak peek into some of your algos that I'm then going to try to copy. Not live, but I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you'll have to share my screen, and I apologize. It's gonna be the full widescreen because there's no other. Just gonna cover up the uh, the thing there, so I don't mind that. I wonder, so. wait, maybe I can. I'm gonna fix this to at least enlarge it a little. The only problem, with Sean, is we can't see your seed phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. I liked you until this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What can we do? What can we do? So we have. We're on 1080. Are you on 1080? Because I want to make sure that the rest of the video. You're asking all these questions I don't understand. If you go into. 
I think I'm like it's it's an ultra wide screen, but I kind of need to to explain this. Maybe can I I I don't know if if um, if any of this. Sorry, I'm I keep you're probably seeing that I'm sliding it back. I'm just trying to cover the uh, the the. Uh, my God, let's do that. Um, I don't know, man. This is. I apologize. I literally don't have a small screen anymore. Can you just thing. share the tab at a, one tab at a time? I can try that, except one of them isn't a tab. But but let's give that a go. Hang on, dude. Stick. With or you me can here. you can share just a window too. Uh, so how do I stop sharing? Jesus Christ! Go down uh, to uh, present. 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 Slides. Stop oh, screen. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. Try so when it, when the pop up comes up. Try sharing a window or which is or what tabs. I normally do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can go back and forth between them. I know that's a pain in the ass, but um, yeah, that okay. That that's a good idea. Let's do that. So, what the fuck am I trying to share here? Um, I think this one. Share. Okay, I think that should be it. Oh, I gotta add it. Duh. Yep. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful, Thank you, sir. Thank okay, you. Okay, so much. what? What? One of the endearing. Um, bullshit things in in crypto is that i i love is that you're always hearing you know if you go around the chats about market makers are running your stops or liquidating or dumping and so on and and this this couldn't be literally further from the truth um in that um this is not what market makers do so i was going to explain a little bit about what market makers do and show a pretty simple market making algorithm um, but I think the first thing to do is that when you look at, look at a market, you kind of have to categorize players. So I think the way I would categorize players are, are, are and again, this is a market maker's view of players. You've got the uninformed. Um, these are people who are operating on a lower quality of trading information. Um, you've got the informed. These are the people who will um, literally have the best information um, available faster than anybody else and tend to be the most profitable. Um, you have market makers, which is a completely distinct class from either the informed, the uninformed. And finally, you have predators. So if you saw the PA yesterday, that's classic predatory play. Yeah, They'll see an opportunity. They'll have some maths going. Oh, we push this up and down. You know, I think it was 10% up, 10% down at the end of the day or something like that. We can make 100 million, yeah? So um, there are very different. Now, that's not to say that some market-making firms aren't also informed directional traders or occasionally predators, but market-making is a really simple thing. Um, if you view um, markets as liquidity, um, then there are two types of players. So you've got makers and takers. A maker is simply somebody who adds liquidity on the book. So they will have orders above and below. So if you're doing limit orders, you are literally a maker. You're adding liquidity. And a taker is somebody who's market buying and selling, and they're removing liquidity from the market. And the term market maker is actually very simple. It's somebody who is adding liquidity to the market. They are making the market. And what they tend to do, if you look, this is a heat map. So the white line is, is the Bitcoin price. Let me zoom in. And what you will see around price at different spreads are these 
bidding ask walls. So you can see there is, you know, very heavy concentration of bids on the buy side and asks on the sell side. And you can see that they pretty much are tracking price. Yeah. Okay. This is what a market maker does. So this is market making. And then you can zoom out and you can see you've got some very deep market making. But um, fundamentally, all that a market maker doing is doing is adding bids and asks at a spread. Okay. So they're trying to hoover up some of the asset, you know, below the price and sell some of the asset above the price. And in that, um, they are making a profit, and it tends to be a very small profit. So if you look at yesterday's price action, you can see that their asks got filled, and then their, uh, sorry, their bids got filled, and then their asks got filled. So that's all a market maker is. It's not mysterious. They're literally filling a spread between the bid and ask price. So um, the motivation for this is, um, that that I assume that you're making money up and down, but it's also that uh, um, centralized exchanges will also provide incentives to market makers, right? Because there's obviously risk in in playing this. This yeah. So so I mean, the incentive is to make money. I mean, all you know, all trading is there to make sure. money. Sure. And um, if you are providing a lot of volume or liquidity, the the um, exchanges will incentivize you to add liquidity to the book. But the point I'm trying to make is that this is what market makers do. They're, they're simply trading a spread. Right. Okay? That spread will depend on time frame and so on. But you just need to look at an order book and, and their activity is pretty damn obvious. Yeah, There's right. no mystery to this, which is they've got some technique for adjusting ask price and adjusting bid bid price and on average they're making they're making um uh, attempting to make a profit like anybody else playing the game um they're, they're also markets don't work without market makers because if you have no market makers the spread opens up the volatility opens up and i think last week we discussed you know this this thing that the markets got more volatile and a large part of the reason for that is a lot of the market makers have left so okay. literally there's less there's less um, um, market, there's less of this really tight bid ask liquidity to dampen price. So we're going to see more and more volatility. But the other thing about a market maker, and the reason I think people should look at it, is because a market maker is not a directional trader. So if you think of, of normal traders, you know, we're all sitting here trying to divine the direction and go on, you know, if I listen to the intonation of the Alaskan wolfhound, that sounds like the market's about to go up, so I'm going to long it, or you know, whatever. You know, my otter died, so that's a that's a bad sign, or whatever way. Or you use line lines on charts, or order flow, or anything else. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're placing your chips on the up-down casino. Okay, right. right. Um, what a market maker is actually doing is betting on volatility. Okay, so. This will be a profitable spread, for example, between bid and ask, if the volatility is operating within certain parameters. Okay. So market makers are in effect almost always short volatility, i.e. This, these kind of moves which you go around CT and people, oh, the market makers, market makers hate this shit. Yeah? We, we love this stuff down here because we can just print money, there's fuck all risk, and bloody, bloody, bloody. So market making is 
a way to extract value from the from the um, from the ecosystem that is not that has no directional bias whatsoever. It's simply a it's simply a bet on volatility. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. So makes total sense. No price predictive element to any of class. No, there are many forms of market making. I'm just discussing this kind of most obvious and, and, and simplest one. It's simply going, look, I can extract value from the market. I can extract profit from the market, whether the price is $100 or 100000 It does not matter. Um, if I get my spreads right relative to the price action, I'm going to mint money, whatever price does. So the, the predictive nature of it for a market maker is being on either side of it and being able to make money from 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 the trades both sides but maintaining a tight a, a tight level so i assume it's like lots of lots of trades um and making smaller profit amounts on those trades but doing a lot of them yeah i mean i mean if you looked at the return for a an individual trade um then you, you'd be going, why would you bother? But what you're, what you're trying to do is churn volume, right. okay? So you're looking for low risk, low reward, but you're looking to do this again and again and again and again and again. And over any period of time, then you can, you, you can make a very healthy profit that is not linked directionally. Nice. Okay. Um, and why do people fail at market making? Um, a lot of, a lot of it is that is, is just simply failure to predict ranges of volatility or unhedging. So, you know, most of the time in most BA market makers are making money. Okay. But then there will be that thing, you know, the COVID dump or whatever that will literally just blow them out. It'll take everything they made and it will, and it will, um, um, take it back with return. So um, most professional market makers, since they're short volatility, and again, this is a really interesting concept. You're trading volatility, not price. Since right. you're short volatility, you will hedge with long volatility instruments like options and so on. So okay. you're trying to create, a, to create a position where you are shorting volatility by making the market, but you hedge that by being long volatility um, somewhere. So when the inevitable happens and the, and again, you know, volatility up or down, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. It's just right. when something is moving outside of your expected range or your ability, um, to, to handle, to handle that move. Okay. You're going to get creamed. So right. that could be, you know, a pump or a dump. It's irrelevant, but it's a really important to make the point that, that market makers, do not have a directional buy or market making itself. Now, Chuck asked the question: it, Do occasionally market makers take a um, a directional bias? And the answer is yes. You can bias your algos to go long or short, or or whatever, or to be net long or short. But you're still effectively just offsetting an algorithm that is still just trading volatility. Right. Right. Okay. Makes sense. So, and again, there's lots and lots of different ways to make the market, but ultimately all market makers do is they are making the market by providing liquidity. And that mechanism is not directional in its essence. What it is, is simply a bet on volatility 
Whereas again, most traders are betting on direction. Right, right. And it, the function that they serve in the market is really important because when you're longing or shorting or buying or selling or doing whatever it is, the probability is 99% of the time, it's a market maker is your counterparty. Right. And if there were no market makers, spreads would open up massively. And you, you can see badly made, badly made um, contracts because the spread's massive, no market makers interested and so on. But it, it is a game of tiny profits. They're not running your stops. They have no interest in your stops. They have no interest in pushing the market up and down. In fact, if the market was operating in a $10 range for the rest of the year, market makers would be in Lambo land. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of um uh in in terms of managing this um obviously this is automated algorithmic i i can't imagine anybody would try to do this manually um and what what kind of things do market makers use to help them define where they're going to be is it primarily just previous price action? Or are there other indicators that they pull into their algorithms? Kind of what's the thinking process that makes this Okay, so, so the, 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 the first, you know, I mean, you can go, look, I put, you know, a bid $10 below price and an ask $10 above price. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But, but and, and that may work some of the time. But the point is that what you're really looking at is the difference, the spread between your, your price and your bids and price and your asks, okay? Mm -hmm. And how do you determine those? So there's lots of different like detailed order, look, order book analytics looking for holes in the order book that you think are gonna get filled. You can look at order flow, you can look at toxic order flow and there's a billion different ways to determine the spread of your bids and asks, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of people will simply use a moving average which is what you see here primarily so they'll take a moving average of price and they will offset their orders um, a percentage from the moving average. Because if you look at this, it looks like this is a, a percentage from price. If it was right. percentage from price, nothing would ever get filled. Right. Because price ticks and you move your orders. But what you can see here, these are getting filled because, because they're using that. You can use, you know, standard deviations off off moving averages and so on. I mean, the one I'm going to show you guys today, um, which, and the reason I contact you on Sunday, Brad, because I need some form of motivation to ever finish anything. Um, <laughs> so I was going, That's I great. talk about this on Thursday, I'll fucking definitely have to have, to have it finished. Yeah, it, it's simply that it adjusts the bid and ask based on micro volatility. So it's measuring volatility in very small time frames and then adjusting bid ask spread based on that got it and so, so there's a thousand different ways to do to determine the spread whether it's uniform spread weighted spread to one side or the other but fundamentally it's only about trading a spread right makes sense um the, the other thing is is that um a lot of people have well market makers get a bad rap because people think they manipulate and control price, but that that's not the goal of being a market maker. No, no not, not in any way. The, 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 the best thing for market makers is a low volatility flatline regime because we're just going to print money like there's no sideways tomorrow. is a good thing. Sideways is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, I'm not saying that some market making firms don't run 
predatory algorithms. Okay, but that's not market making. Right. They're not market making firms. They're trading firms that happen to do market making and other stuff. Yeah. Yep. Get it. Totally get it. And then I guess another big piece of it is managing uh, what you have on the table um, at any given time in case there are big dumps, right? I mean, you, you, the, the management of trade size, I assume, has to be a big part of what you're doing as well. Yeah. I, I mean, so, you know, there, if you get down into the micro deal, like, like anything, I would say this to anybody, okay? The biggest way to manage risk in any trading game is actually is actually not stop losses or hedging. It's actually position size. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so by managing your position size, you are managing, you, you, you are, you know, it's the whole idea of have lots of dry powder to, to do whatever. Okay. Because, because you can take the view and I'm very much of this, the, the price will always revert. Yeah. So if you have lots of, you know, the way I trade is very much about, about retaining enough dry powder to move my average entry to where I want it to be. Right. So if I'm underwater, okay, long or short, then I can just move my average entry to price because I because of my position size allows it, and then I can make a profit. So again, just different ways to think about this. Um, but ultimately, if you are if you are um, market making to any great extent, you are looking to hedge against, you know, the white swan, the black swan. And again, price jamming up or price jamming down is of equal risk to a market maker because what you're talking about is a spike in volatility. Sure. Okay. So you can hedge volatility with options. Okay, so you, you can take an option straddle that says, look, I'm quite happy to, to manage, you know, to, to make money on the volatility in this range. But if I spike out of that and I take a, take a loss on my market making side, well, you know, then my, my option straddle on the other or whatever other way you want to, you want to be long volatility um, will compensate for that. So, again, a lot of this stuff, and again, I would recommend to anybody who is, serious about the game of trading is that simply having an account and deciding long short with that account is maybe not the best way to approach it maybe the best way to approach it is to actually operate you know what i call positional trading so that could mean i've some long i've some short or i'm operating it could also mean that i'm operating you know on hourly trading and monthly trading and so on and if you mix these things up in the right kind of you know the right recipe you get a great cake which means yeah one of these aspects in one time frame can be down but net net overall as you get better at this then you will then you you will realize that you can ride the volatilities of the market you can ride the ups and the downs and you will still print profit over time but this kind of naked trading of, you know, I'm only longer, I'm only short, um, is to me how the uninformed money operates. So the only people that are really consistently making money in our markets are probably market makers. Um, M market makers can be great. I mean, informed money, by definition, are the only people who are making, consistently sure. making money. Um, market making is a tough game. Again, you... Because your returns are so so low in percentage wise, you could be printing money for three months and just hand it all back. So um, <laughs> again, just anybody get getting it. No, I don't want to discourage people because 
what I like and the reason I make the market is that as a somebody positioned in the market, this gives me a pretty rock solid income stream regardless of price direction. Right. Okay. It, is your is is the greater percentage of your livelihood from market making than your degen activities? Let's let's say that I I know pretty much how much money I'm going to make every day from my market making. Okay, right. I can be short or long the market, and I'm both. Okay, but but while I can have a reasonable prediction on range of prices, I can't tell you when. But I also have to eat in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so <laughs> you know, so like I don't know when the market's going to crash. You know, could be today, could be tomorrow, could be in six months. Yeah, and yeah. I'm well positioned for that. I don't know when the market's going to pump. Could be never. Could be six months. Could be a year. Okay. I'm positioned for that. But and and I do manual scalping to you know it's a bit of fun. But but I do know what my market making activities are going to make me tomorrow. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So yeah, yeah. I also don't want to put people off because it. Not as complicated as, as well, it may. Well, you can that, look at the chart and see it's not complicated, Jeff. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question. So if you were taking somebody like me that's never done that, right, what what would be the steps that you would tell someone like me to take to, to learn this and be as effective as possible getting started? It, it, it's okay. So a lot of people, okay, so so what skill, what, what are the core skills? Because you ask yourself, if you want to do this on your own, okay? Right. So ultimately, a lot of people who get into this are coders uh -huh. because you do need to be able to code, okay. okay? And yet, I would say the coding aspect is the least important, okay? But what, what is the most important is, is the simple maths behind it. And again, this is not, you know, this is not, advanced calculus shit it can be if you want to but but it's not so you need to understand the contracts you're trading you need to understand a little bit about how markets work and then you need some form of mathematical ability to say look here's how i'm going to have my bid ask spread okay and then i'm just going to back test that yeah and again right. that's now so you need i would suggest anybody who wants to get into this um, and i would encourage people to get into it, dip your toe into it. The coding is really not that difficult. I mean, all the code is out there. You can do it in Python. Um, you know, like you know, getting data from an exchange is easy, and placing pla placing orders on an exchange is easy. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you do want is some kind of mathematical capability, then to do to because all that you're doing here is 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 determining bid ask spread. Yeah. Where right. do I want my bids? Where do I want my asks? And then obviously some kind of you know, position size management to bloody bloody bloody, but it's not that complicated. And, and I do think the mistake that I've seen with 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 people over the years is that an awful it, this is attractive to an awful lot of coders or would be coders because you know Python's pretty easy. It's really not that complicated to pull data from an exchange and to add orders in the books. In fact, it's a fucking joke to be able to do it. And then they go off and go because I can read the price, read my position and place orders, I will run a market making bot. And yet it's the mathematics that can't. Right. So and the mathematics I, I would being... always encourage people, you know, and again, we're not talking about, you know, quant level. There's lots of quants in this game. There's lots of very sophisticated models and so on and so on. But there's also a lot of 
as you can see, very basic models that with the right um, approach do make, do make money. And again, they make money regardless of price. Yeah. And if I am right about what I believe is coming, which could be just long, long periods of absolute disinterest in the market, this is a great way for people to extract value from the market um, simply. And, and so I would suggest anybody getting just team up with the right people. I'm not talking about you know, a team of 50 people, you know, um, a coder and a maths guy and somebody who understands contracts and they can all be one and the same people or they can be two people or three people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, yeah. And I look, I mean, it sounds like kind of the first place people start are things like deviation off moving averages, that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there's a lot of like um, examples out there on the web that people can find for, for uh, getting started with that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I would seriously, I mean, I think my fundamental point here, and then I'm going to show you my own little um, thing that I wrote up, like to put this in context. Okay. After I chatted to you on Sunday, I think I spent 36.5 minutes writing the algo. Um, <laughs> and literally that's how easy it is. And nice. I've been playing around with the parameters since, um, since then. Um, and this is a simple, we'll show it in operation. This is a simple, this just, just spread on volatility just as a just to show people how simple this type of approach is cool let's do it so okay i'm gonna have to share a different window here man all well, right i really should share the screen here dude because you need to see the algo and the and why don't we do this can you give us a close-up first of the algo talk about it and then oh, okay. show it on no problem yep let me Great. how do i do so stop screen and um, like this will this will be embarrassing when you see how I actually um, code. So only for the people that know how to read the code. Uh, okay, so we're going into a DOS window. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fucking love DOS, man. <laughs> Command prompt. Uh, I think you'll have to share. So look, this is a simple Python script. Um, I use bat files, um, so I'm just going to run it. So what this is going to do is. This opens a WebSocket to the exchange. It is then going to spend about three minutes where it is reading price and, and direction. And from that, it's going to simply generate a volatility model. Okay, how volatile are we now? And a directional model and say, is that volatility to the upside or the downside? So it's just give it a, give it a few minutes while it does this. Then it will literally just start placing orders in the book almost immediately. Wow. Okay, so we'll, we'll let that go. So again, you know, this is not sophisticated. There's no magic UIs or any of this kind of stuff. The code is simple. Um, it, um, it, it, so, so, sorry for the language, but that's literally what, what I code into this stuff. <laughs> So, no problem. Yeah, once it's connected to the exchange, it's literally just picking up the price feed. It's doing some basic calculation. And once it's got enough price history, which I think is about two and a half, three minutes, it's going to start to trade, which we'll see. Then I'll go to, you, to the exchange and just try to explain what it's actually, what it's doing. And you can, see, you can actually see what it's doing, yeah? Um, cool. To while this is going on, I'll just say that this is a simple volatility model. So based on the volatile upside, volatility, downside, and I'm talking in micro, you know, in second timeframes here, not talking about the volatility in the last day or the last hour. You know, we're talking in the last couple of minutes. 
Right. And based on the volatility and direction, it's simply going to start smacking orders on the book. So okay. it'll like ask some bids and then, and then so on. And then it does some other stuff, which is if there's too many asks and bids, it's going to consolidate orders and move them around. Uh -huh. Okay, but again, just based on, so <clears throat> what you can see here is it's ticking away. So just to, um, just to do that. So it's literally, if you look at this and I know it's difficult, so it's got volatility is 46, which is very low, 44. It's up volatility. And from that, it's, it's calculating that the asks should be $28 away from price and the bid should be $2 away from price. That's wow. it. Wow. Okay. And that's all it needs to be. Now, and again, sorry, I'm going to now go to the exchange where you can actually see the orders being added. Cool. So, uh, excuse me for a minute. I know this is messy, but no, it's all right. Why, this works. Also, also, why I wanted to try and do it on uh, do it on uh, one screen. But anyway, let's. Uh, okay, cool. Oh, no, sorry, one second. There. All right. So this is now the exchange, and what you can see here are this thing is this is pretty fast acting, and I'll come to that. So. This uh, this is adding in the greens are obviously bids and the reds are asked asks and what this will do is is about every five seconds it's going to add a bid and ask onto the wow. books. Wow. Okay. This is quite slow, by the way. You would normally run it faster. Um, and from that, you can see it's six hundred dollars long. It's got you know a bunch more, um, a bunch more, and then asks. And all of this is simply based on predictive volatility. Um, to put this in perspective, so this is adding $200 every five seconds onto the book, which, which, uh, and by the way, $100 on my exchange is the minimum order size. Okay. So, um, to put this in perspective, this running 24 seven over a year will do 1.2 billion in volume. Wow. Okay. Wow. The maker rebate on 1.2 billion in volume, this is just just the the profit from filling orders is 120k damn okay and then obviously any profit you get around the spread and that's the rebate on the fees you would pay on the trades yeah so if, if you're doing volume and again like this account i think has i don't know 150 grand in it or something yeah okay so you know you you can do a signet so you can see all of a sudden the 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 ask spread is going up there because it's sensing up upside volatility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's all it is. And, and this is all market making is. Um, if you do that kind of volume, the exchange is going to pay you maker fees. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So something like this is not going to make you a multi billionaire, but done right it can produce a steady income it doesn't care what the price is 30,000 7.1k doesn't care uh, well, it's also an incredibly interesting challenge from the point challenge it's a lovely problem to play with because it kind of hits all kinds of coding mathematics back testing and i couldn't encourage people enough to 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 do this stuff you know start small Start with a small team, you know, again, maths and software, and just get at it. It is immense fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're also helping the market because you're adding liquidity. Um, and as I said, with, with a, you know, it's amazing how much you can churn. 
um, right. in a very small period of time. And well, making much- a Having 150000 in an account and making 120 annually on it is no... Uh, no, that, that's just the fees. Then you've got the Oh, that's the fee rebate, trade. plus your profits on your trades. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, that's a sounds like a, a solid investment. It, it is. Again, it's not, you know, you're not, you know, it's not the 100x DGEN directional trade or, or whatever people are doing, but it also doesn't carry the risk profile. Yeah, it's right. not a wing and a prayer. And it does it regardless of the price. Because remember, most of the time... Bitcoin is ranging yeah. 70% of the time. So you place your bet on, on the market and most of the time it's simply just ranging. This kind of thing, you know, is going to do, is going to make money, you know, well done in virtually all market conditions. Uh, Chuck asked, do market makers feel like they're competing with, uh, with each other? Do they need to worry about who's being more successful? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is something encouraged by the the exchanges. So, for example, the level of rebate that I get paid is literally a percentage of the volume of the exchange that I am providing. So, let's say the exchange does three billion dollars in a day, yeah, and let's say I do a consistent, I know, hundred million dollars a day. Okay, in a five hundred million dollar day, I get a bigger rebate. And then in a $3 billion day. So you, you do find that the exchanges try to encourage encourage um, um, uh, activity. But yeah, it's a competitive market and there's lots of very smart people and there's lots of different methods and you can go off and research. And, but like anything in trading, I would, I would caution this, you know, particularly from market making firms that you can look at PIN and VPIN and all this kind, you find lots of academic research I can almost guarantee you that the successful market makers are not publishing their strategies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I, I, I can't imagine. Why it why. Is. <laughs> okay. um, so like literally that's all market making is. I, it's something I would strongly encourage because you don't need to be, you know, I, I would also say don't go off and start using fucking trading bots and all of this stuff because you need access to real time fast. And, and look, all the libraries are out there in GitHub. I'm sure ChatGPT could write you an interface to your favorite exchange pretty hard yeah. when I know it can. And it's a bit of fun. And, and, and it genuinely is a lot of fun, yeah? yeah. It genuinely is a fascinating technical exercise. Um, it's a really cool project. And done right, it can generate a very healthy income. Now, I'm also going to say that, you know, if you're doing this, you know, you don't do this and look at, you know, a month's results or two months. You backtest the shit out of it, which is also, by the way, a really cool exercise, particularly when you're yeah. operating in these time frames, because there's no backtesting tool that allows you to, that I'm aware of, to look at trade history when you're looking at second or sub-second um, trading. So you have uh-huh. to go off and develop that as well, which is just <clears throat> great fun. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, do do you think you could, um, do you have any... Um at hand uh, GitHub repositories that might be people to get started with that you could- Yeah, uh, I'll stick one in. I mean, a great a great place to start is to um, the BitMEG sample market maker they released the Python code for. Oh, great. It, it gives you a method to do it. But, you know, again, you know, if you, you know, if you just want to, you know, if you're not used, you know, because a lot of people will go off and, you know, they'll invest in kind of, you know, these really horrendous, bots that are trying to be all things to everybody okay it's really simple you know 10 lines of code 
and you can get the price string and you can right. get that in you know in in milliseconds which means that you can then operate faster rather than using some trading bot that is designed to do all things to all exchanges and is slow uh, it's really i trust me dave like i was a coder back in i stopped coding in 1989 okay um and i only got back into playing with code with this stuff and it's really really simple nice Nice. And I know from talking to you in the past that you're, you also have some developers you work with and you're constantly tweaking and playing with algos. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we don't just do market making. We do predictive price directional algos uh, as well. Um, most of the software that's going on at the moment is actually moving from um, Python to Rust um because you know again build during a bear market or something i'm told yeah uh, that's what that's what they tell me so um that's what and, and primarily we an awful lot of the work we're doing is actually back testing uh-huh. so how we do that um is we have an exchange simulator we built so we have the tick data wow. for an exchange and then the algo connects via an API instead of to the real exchange, but to to our our um, simulated exchange, and uses the, the tick data. And when I say tick data, literally every tick, and it feeds it to the algo, so we can backtest these over extended periods of time pretty fast. So that's really cool. Um, that that's kind of. But you don't need to do that for this kind of stuff. This stuff, yeah. like like again, you know, it's it's. There's a lot of nuance and complexity, but ultimately all you're looking at is bid ask spread. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Literally, that's it. Yeah. And then your normal stuff. So as you can see, this thing is churning along and you know it's it's it, it's just printing me money. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I love it. You know, it's interesting too. Um, and I don't know how much this could apply, but <clears throat> the idea of um the concentrated liquidity pools on Uniswap and other exchanges these days. Um, um, I wonder if some of these algorithms apply since it's essentially the same thing being on both sides of the trade. Um, in the DeFi world, there are, and there are um, uh, some exchanges um, that are doing synthetic stuff um, that may make this something feasible as well. But anyway, it's, it's fascinating, Sean. That's great. Yeah, it, it, it's. I can't tell you as an engineer because I'm even though I'm a dirty big maxi trader. Okay, as an engineer, this is the most satisfying stuff to work on. Yeah, I'm sure the, the experimentation alone has got to be a blast, yeah. especially if you've got the back testing capability. That was it, guys. Sorry to. T- I mean, market making is inherently a wonderful technical thing to play with and massively boring because I will always come back to this chart and go. These people are not out to steal your stops or run your liquidations at all. Yeah, they they just like this kind of PA because it's free money. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Max would like to have you start Sean Dow so that he can crowdfund with you and have you do it. I don't think I don't think Sean really needs us, Max. Uh, uh, he says, "Why treat to bait the market? Might as well tag along for the crumbs, or maybe offer a Sean type algo in uh, Brad's tool. That's possible." <laughs> Uh, calling it the DGen Investors Club. Niblet says maybe a channel for market makers. Yeah, I'll add one. That's cool. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I, 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 obviously there's a lot of stuff that we do that, you know, and this is going to sound terrible proprietary. Um, but I, I would also say, like, 
you know, I know a lot of people in, in, in the Telegram who are definitely smarter than me, definitely more competent than me. And trust me, if we can make a decent living out of this, and again, the reason I encourage it is simply to say that having multiple ways to extract value from the market is a really good idea. Yeah. You, know, you can still do your DGEN shit. You can still do your swing trades. You can still do whatever it is you do. But adding this into your armory is a really, really cool thing to do. No, I, I love this. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of beating on myself right now for not having done this three years ago. So, <laughs> See, what haven't you done, Brad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's add 12 more channels to the Mission DeFi Telegram chat. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Max Life says, I too would like to take candy from the kids. Ha ha. Well, this Max is not taking candy. This is literally hoovering pennies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. There's a penny on the, I'll have that. I'll have that. I'll have that. Yeah. But I said, I can't, if you're an engineer or any way technically, mine, I cannot tell you the, just the deep sense of satisfaction of doing something like this. And I know I'm not, I, Chuck, Chuck is going rust. I'm a closet Cardano fanboy. <laughs> not at all. We, we had a debate um, with a couple of coders, whether we should go C++ or Rust. And I was told Rust was the way to go. And do you want to know? I have no idea, mate. Right, right. <laughs> like the only thing I do is still in Python and I still use Notepad as my development environment. I don't <laughs> think I need to say any more than that. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. That's fascinating, Sean. I, I really... Um... That was a beautiful way to put everything together. And uh, I have a feeling we'll have some folks out there experimenting some more. I think Niblets has already experimented before, but he said that uh, it didn't work out too well for him. But uh, I, uh, I definitely would like to uh, be able to give this a go. Yeah, That's fantastic. Something, something I would say that, that it's one of these weirdo things that, that the higher the frequency, the more profitable it is. Right. So we've tested this over the years. so that, uh, And again, that's why I would encourage people just to write their own write or, or you know take from take from github or ask gpt to write their own methods of sucking data in and and, and placing orders it, it's really not complicated but what it does give you is speed yeah right makes sense and, and speed counts because the more money you're churning the more money you're making right right no that makes sense absolutely fantastic joe do you have anything else you want to say on this no, I was just think, sorry I had the mic blocked because it was just a lot of background noise. But um, one of the things I was thinking about was that I think you kind of were touching on it, Brad, with the DEXs and that, you know, with the AMMs built in and like this this group I'm meeting today or tomorrow, Maverick, but they've got some kind of moving uh, AMM within the liquidity pool. It almost sounds like when you say market maker, Sean, yeah, like BitMEX or whatever, it's it seems very similar to someone say going to Uniswap and setting up a liquidity pool. Yeah, in I mean, yeah. Am I right on that? Making is literally the definition. The definition of market making is adding liquidity. Yeah, so it's a way where when you know even like when protocols go and set up liquidity pools at you know on Arbitrum or Polygon or wherever, um, you know they're almost doing the same activity, but it's not. I mean, it is automated, though. That's right. So I'm wondering if, like, small protocols, you think they can get the same benefit, like, say, going to, say, Uniswap and maybe dropping 100 in on both sides. Uh, do you think it generates the same returns as, say, what you're doing on BitMEX? I, I, 
I don't think so. And, and, okay. and the reason for that is that um, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the profitability is affected by fees. So if I was paying fees for like every time one of those things on the screen there gets filled, I'm making a couple of cents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, that's not, that's just simply anybody can have that if you generate enough volume or normally if you buy enough of the exchanges shitcoin, they'll, they'll, they'll do it. And the maths behind that is pretty simple to calculate. Um, but also speed. Yeah. I, I don't know anything. And I'm going to be, and again, people laugh at this. I'm in the game so long. I have no idea at all about liquidity pools, AMMs. I don't even look, but speed of operation and fees, I know are fundamental to maximizing return from market making activities. Sure. Makes Excellent. Sense. Yeah. That's awesome. Sean, again, consistently amazing, great uh, <laughs> knowledge for people that are listening and watching. I really appreciate it, buddy. Hi, anytime guys. And as I said, like, I mean, you know, I, just to be clear, I'm not giving away any of our algorithms, but I, I'm, I'm an enthusiast. So I'd love to, if people want to get into it, you know, where to find code, where to get at it. But it's, it's again, I come to, it's so fucking simple. Yeah. You're simply trying to, to determine bid ask spreads. Right. That is it in a nutshell. That's what it's not running your stops. It's not stealing your candy. It's simply going short volatility and make money in the, you know, and again, pennies, you know, um, pennies in the market. But, you know, you hoover up pennies constantly. Oh, yeah. It, it does pretty damn well. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, you know, big win. The price is going to run around 10% and I happen to have guessed the right direction. This doesn't give a shit. Yeah. 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 Well, and the beauty of it is you're also providing value to the market. Right, you're 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 actually doing something positive for the market while hoovering pennies, and I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. and again, just like anything, I'm going to say, I really encourage people to do it. Just always approach anything in the trading game with risk management management as your number one mantra. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Super smart. It, yeah, I I'll, like it. I like it because it's also like you said, Sean. It's you know, it is a stable, diversified trend. Or, or revenue stream within your overall model. So if yeah. you're cowboying around on other stuff or, you know, perping or doing anything else, this just is the stable, keeps the lights on money that keeps rolling in every day as long as there's trades going on. You know, that's pretty cool. I just say euphoric there is talking about manual MMing, which, which people used to do a lot more and you can still do. The problem is that without trade frequency, it's very difficult to make a meaningful amount. Right. Yeah. And it's you, tough you, to base you, the math it's on that to something else. Obviously. Uh, and, and again, you know, people do that. Trust me, a lot of people do that, but it's not meaningful. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there we go. Yeah. And stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Manual would be stressful, I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, two cents. Go get it. <laughs> you do not get to sleep. Where's my intern? <laughs> All right, we're going to pay you four grand a year to do this. Exactly. Exactly. And you need at least two interns to do that, Mike. One of these 20, 20. They can work 12 hours a day, those interns. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. And then they, they graduate from the Sean Academy after a year. That's it. That's it. Certif certified. That's right. All right, fellas. Certified. All right. Well, 
That's fantastic. Euphoric Max Life, Chuck Niblets. Uh, appreciate all of you participating today. Thank you for being here. Sean, as usual, thanks so much for incredible knowledge for all of us. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to set up a little channel where you can post those links uh, that you were talking about so people can take a look at it. But uh, appreciate everybody doing it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review us. Just takes a minute and it will help boost us in the algorithm. If you're watching on YouTube, please. Please uh, make sure you're subscribed, click the little bell so you get notified when new episodes come out and smash the thumbs up so we also get a boost over there in the algo. Um, join us in the community where Sean is always dispensing great knowledge and assistance to folks and he's incredibly helpful. Um, t.me forward slash mission defi, t.me forward slash mission defi. Um, you're missing out on a whole component of this show and community. If you don't get over there and join the nice people uh, that comment during the show, they're also in the telegram. Thanks very much. I hope everybody has a great day, Sean. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, we'll talk to you next yeah, week. I'll, I'll be back to my anti-shitcoming maximalism next week, guys. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> Joe, have a great time at consensus. Be careful and, uh, you know, uh, go out there and network, buddy. Yeah, no, I mean, you know me once I, turn me loose somewhere i'm just like rrr, 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 just chewing through everything yeah yeah buddy love it but um i would i would want to ask you did, did that caleb and brown interview happen no it did not happen it's getting rescheduled i think we're doing it next week okay cool all right yep because a all lot right, of people folks. here know about the show that's what i was surprised about you know that's some of awesome, the people man. i'm meeting like maple those yeah. guys are like hey they love the show they oh, listen cool. to it all the time so i'm, I'm actually kind of surprised at the quasi celebrityness going on all right but um well, you know it would be, be it's always merch. fun having my wingman here though so I i'm feeling know. a little you'll, lonely you'll, yeah well you'll have fun anyway I know <laughs> <you>. <laughs> hey sean thanks a lot buddy you have a great guys, weekend and um all right talk to you guys later thanks brad guys, as later. always take care everybody cheers bye-bye